Well, as Jim mentioned earlier, thanks again for being here. We're glad we're here on this kind of cold and gray morning, and we're talking about this morning, again, the marks of a disciple, and we're on the mark of a disciple called a voice to speak the good news. Now, I'll admit, this is kind of a scary one, um, and, and you may think sometimes that your pastors have it all together and that we go around telling people about Jesus. Um, I don't know about Jim and Pat. I can't speak for them, but for me... If I have kind of one of those unexpected times where I get into a conversation and I'm feeling led to talk about Jesus, I can get sweaty palms. I can get nervous about that. I can get anxious about that. I want to let you know that up front. So if you ever feel that way, you're right there with me. But I also want to tell you that today I want to give you some help through God's Word and the Scripture that we can do this. We can have a voice to speak the good news and God has called us to do it. I was on the way in this morning, and I turned on the radio, um, sports talk radio, as I often do. And one of the guys on, on this radio station said, well, tonight's the big football game. And then he said this, and I think I wrote it down correctly. Tonight is about all that we believe in. Tonight is about all that we believe in. And I thought, is that what we've come to? You know, I'm going to watch the game tonight. But I tell you, tonight is not all about what I believe in. I think we are gathered here as the body of Christ because we believe in something far greater. We believe in Jesus Christ, and the world needs to hear about him. Um, let's look at uh, God's word in 1 Peter. Uh, it's going to tell us some great news about, about the good news, about how we can share our faith. So it's 1 Peter Chapter 3, verses 13 through 16. Let's read that together. I'll read it, and you, you listen along. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Let's pray again. Most loving God, we thank you for your word, how it speaks to us, how it is truth. Help us to learn from this word this morning. Uh, speak to us uh, through your Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, amen. Well, this part of God's word is from uh, Peter. It's written to early Christians, and I think it's good to, to realize who is Peter. Well, we know these things about Peter. You probably know them already, but let's look again. Peter's a tough guy. He's a fisherman who then becomes a fisher of men. He's a follower of Jesus who leaves it all behind. It says that he leaves his nets on the shore when he follows Jesus. He's a maker of mistakes, like me. He turns his back on Jesus. He said he didn't know Jesus before the crucifixion. And then he is the rock that Jesus used, the person that Jesus used to build his early church. Now, we can be a lot like Peter. You know, we can be people who make mistakes, who say the wrong thing. But God can also use each of us as he did Peter, to have that voice to speak the good news, to get up off the mat when we make mistakes, uh, 
and to share the love that God has given us with others. So let's look at some of those pieces of the text and talk about that. At the first part, it says, um, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. And as we've looked at the marks of the disciple, it talks about having a heart for Christ alone. That's where we need to start, where we always need to start. We need to have open eyes to see what God wants us to see and open ears to hear what God wants us to hear so that we can be prepared, as he said, to give an answer for the questions that people have. We need to be able to give the reason for the hope that we have with gentleness and respect, with gentleness and respect. I think when we think about this, we need to be ourselves. Uh, we need to be authentic and real. You know, when we talk, when you have a chance to talk about your faith, be who you are, who God has made you to be. Use your gifts and abilities to tell others about Christ. Have you ever been to a, uh, a big parade or maybe a really big uh, automobile race here in Indianapolis and someone's standing on a corner with a bullhorn and they're yelling at you, you know, something like, repent and believe. Uh, and things worse than that, you know, I've heard them say, you know, things worse than that on the bullhorn as you're going into some event. So sometimes I think we think we have to be like that to do evangelism or have a voice to speak the good news, but we don't. Be yourself. And as Peter says, do this and be prepared with gentleness and respect. But we need to be prepared. Um, Dave in his prayer said that we live in an increasingly secular world. And oftentimes, uh, the message will not be heard or will be rejected. And I think this was a, a point that Jim made a few weeks ago. In a recent Pew National Research um, survey said the fastest growing category uh, in, in religious survey in America was nuns, not N-U-N-S, again, but N-O-N-E-S, those who claim that they have no religion at all. That's the fastest growing category in America. The same survey said that Protestants and evangelicals are in decline in America. So we must have this voice to speak the good news because it is needed today, and God calls us to have this voice. In fact, I got a, a little book several years ago, which I really liked. One of the reasons I like this book so much is because one of the youth that I was working with brought this book and gave it to me. I mean, I'm, I'm usually, it used to be when I was doing youth ministry, I was trying to refer books to teenagers. This guy brought a book to me, and the name of the book was um, Plan A, and there is no Plan B. And the, the fact is, and this is a little book by Dwight Robertson, is that God's Plan A is you. God's plan A is me to share his message. Jesus says that in the Great Commission. He says, go and make disciples. And when we look at our mission, when we think about what we're, what we're here, we're gathered together, we come together in this place to make disciples, to grow as disciples, and then release disciples for service in our broken world. We're trying to fulfill the Great Commission. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus, before he leaves and goes to heaven, he says to his disciples, you will be my witnesses. He doesn't say some other people will be my witnesses or I've got this other plan. He says, you will be my witnesses. He's calling us. He wasn't just calling his disciples then. He's calling all of us to be his witnesses wherever we go. So how did Jesus do it? Well, Jesus called his disciples by name. He spent time with them. He built relationships with them. 
he challenged them, and then he sent them out to do uh, what they had learned. It's not that different from us when you think about it. Building relationships, telling other people about Jesus, and, and learning that for ourselves, and then being sent out to do what Jesus has called us to do. Jesus did this through relationships. Um, we saw a, a video of Anne Graham Lantz. Her father obviously was Billy Graham. And the Billy Graham Association said that uh, most of the people who would come forward at an event like Anne Graham Lantz event or at a Billy Graham crusade, that their commitment to Christ would stick with them if they had relationships or if they got connected to a local church. If they didn't, there was a good chance that it wouldn't stick. So, so often, it's through relationships. Well, I talked about earlier the fact that, you know, we can get those sweaty palms or get a little anxious when we, when we talk about Jesus. I know I can sometimes. So why is it so hard? Well, here's, uh, there's a resource called Destined for Ministry. And it's a great resource. It's what we used in our one-to-one discipleship. And in one of the books, um, it talks about why is it so hard to share our faith. It says we become motionless. We become motionless out of fear. Um, we, we might think, you know, people are going to think I'm a Jesus freak. You know, if I talk about Jesus too much or if they don't know him and I talk about him, they're going to think I'm weird so I can be uh, afraid to share it. We might think I have a, a lack of knowledge. I don't know enough. You know, that's, isn't that the pastor's job? They know more than I do. I don't know enough to share with somebody about Jesus. There's a relational disconnect. Um, you know, I don't know a lot of non-Christians. And I have to tell you, that's kind of where I am. As I think about my week, I spend a lot of time with you guys, you know, with my family and with my kids' friends and their families. I'd say a high majority of those people are Christians. I need to do a better job of getting out and meeting people or praying for God to send people my way that I might build relationships with them. And then finally, this is probably for all of us, we get too busy. We get so busy with life that we set aside the more important things, uh, like sharing about Jesus with others. So how do I get moving? How do I get in motion? Uh, Well, we have a heart motivation, a heart motivation, and that's what the Scripture said today. We need to set apart our hearts for Christ. How do we do that? We pray. We say, God, give me a heart to want to reach out to somebody that doesn't know you, or God, bring someone across my path. Um, so that I can share my heart with them, that I love Jesus, the, the, the parts that I know and, and my own faith. Practical training. If you know more than your friend does about Jesus, you can share with your friend. You can also get training. There's lots of ways. I'm going to talk about some ways of things we can invite people to here at church. Over the last few Sundays, there was a list in the bulletin. I think there's some at the Welcome Center of opportunities for lots of Bible studies, small groups, different kinds of ministries here at church where you can get training to go deeper into your faith. Relational connections. Be relational. Be intentional. Reach out to someone. Maybe that you already know. You might be thinking about someone. You know, there's that friend of mine. There's that, that colleague at work, uh, my neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. I'm not sure if they know God. I'm not sure if they have faith. God, what is some way that I could reach out to them? So be intentional. Make relational connections. And then planned interaction with pre-Christians or non-Christians, which goes along with that, reaching out to people who don't yet know. You might say, well, okay, Scott's sort of answered the part about, you know, what if I'm afraid or I don't know what to do? What if I don't know the theology 
What if I don't know what to tell them? Well, the New Testament is full of uh, both stories and facts and things, all kinds of things that you can share uh, with people about their faith. Now, you may be a person who's more into story and narrative, and you want to tell stories. The Bible is full of incredible stories that you can share with others that, that help them to get to know a, and see a better picture of Jesus. Me, I'm kind of a more of a logical thinker, a linear thinker. And one of my favorite tools over the years when I've had the chance to share this, is called the Romans Road. So if you say, what if I don't know the theology? Here's the Romans Road. How God provides salvation, how we can receive salvation, and what are the results of salvation. Here are four verses, and if you don't have time, if you want to look these up later, I Googled this last week, and there's lots of sources where you can look up the Romans Road. First, Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's a truth in the New Testament. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. Second, Romans 6, 23. For the wages or the cost of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the punishment, punishment that we have earned for our sins is death. It's not just physical death, but eternal separation from God. So there's not a remedy for it, at least not yet, okay? Third, uh, we, we pick up in Romans six twenty three again. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then in Romans 5, 8, it says this, a great truth. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. When we say a voice to speak the good news, there's the good news. Jesus died for us that we might have second chances, that we might have life. His death paid the price for our sins, and his resurrection proves that God accepted Jesus' death as payment for our sins. So what do we have to do about it? That's fourth on the Romans road. Romans 10.9. It's a verse I used even this month uh, when I had the chance to, uh, to talk with some of our youth. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Let's look at that again. If you confess with your mouth, if you're able to say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is my Savior and Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, Paul says, you will be saved. We skip down a few verses. Romans 10, 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's pretty clear, pretty plain. This is one way, a way, to understand the theology behind how do we have a voice to speak the good news and tell others about Christ. It's the Romans road. So that's God's story. Well, what about your story? You know, if you're talking to someone about their faith, or if you're having a voice to speak the good news, we need to know some of God's story, and then you need to know your story. One of the ways to do that is to prepare a three-minute story. You might write this out. It'd be less than a page. Prepare a three-minute story of how you know Jesus. How do you know Jesus in your life? Or you may already have that in your head. You know that. Maybe you've had a chance to share that. In, in some other place. I know that Jim or Pat or I or anyone on staff would be glad to meet with you and talk with you. How do you do that? Or sit down and listen to your story if you wanted to prepare that. There's ways to do that. So in saying that, I'd like to tell you very briefly a little bit about my story. You may have heard some of it before, but maybe not. When I was about eight years old, I was invited to a neighborhood Bible study. Uh, someone I think my mom trusted because they lived kind of behind us and over a house or two. 
And I don't remember much about it, but I remember at the end of the Bible study, we're sitting in this, this family's living room with some other kids, about eight years old, and the mom says at the end, would anyone like to pray to ask Jesus into their lives? And she had been explaining this, and so I raised my hand. And he said, okay, I want to pray with you. And I think I was the only one. So then I got nervous. But she kind of took me aside. She walked me through a prayer to ask Jesus into my heart. And it took. It worked. And at age eight, I asked Jesus into my heart. And I've been there ever since. Now, when I was about 16, I woke up early one morning. And my parents told me that my good friend Todd, one of my three or four best friends, And his father, Dave, had been killed in a car accident the night before, very tragically. And for about three to four month period of time, I was angry. I was mad at God. I doubted God. I had big questions for God. And I kind of didn't know what to do with all those. And I was a Christian. But there was someone who stood in the gap for me. My youth pastor, Murray, listened to my questions, kind of helped answer some of my doubts. He prayed with me. He just kind of kept walking with me all through that time. And through that time, after about three or four months, I really recommitted my life to Christ and since then was on a path to really grow. Now, I had my ups and downs over the years, but that was an important moment in my life because he represented Jesus to me in the way that he treated me. So if you're wondering, how do I share my story? You know, how do I share God's story? How do I share my story? Well, that's part of my story. And I just shared with you, I'm sure if you think about it, you have your own story of the important moments in your life where Jesus has been real to you, and you want to share those with others. It's a good thing to practice those, just as I kind of did with you right now. How do we have this voice at ZPC? So you may be saying, well, okay, those are good things to know God's story and and to know my story, but how do we have a voice as a church to have a voice to speak the good news? Um, Two words, invite and include, invite and include. And and this is a a good good takeaway, I think, for this morning. We can invite and include here at ZPC. Invite a friend uh, to things like vacation Bible school, great banquet, just give me Jesus, or Chica Boutique, and I'm going to list some others in a minute. Um, There's a family that's here this morning. I saw them already. They're leaders in our church. I think more than 15 years ago, uh, my wife, Claire, invited them to bring their young daughter to Vacation Bible School. And that was the first entry point for them to either begin or really to begin to grow in their faith to where they're leaders in this church today. It was a simple invitation. She said, do you want to bring your daughter to VBS? And they said yes. Many times that can be the first step. Jim mentioned inviting someone to Great Banquet. And I've heard a lot of your stories and so many of our stories where you can hear the good news of Jesus Christ. If you've been to a great banquet, to invite someone to come to that. And if you haven't, I would personally invite you to come to a great banquet. We saw that three-minute video on Just Give Me Jesus. If you're one of the ladies here in the congregation, that's going to be a great event on April 5th and 6th. You could see Donna Baylor for more information. And there's, there's a lot of information at the Welcome Center. That'd be a great thing to invite um, a friend for the ladies, to invite a friend to go see Ann Graham Lotz and hear about Just Give Me Jesus. There's also an event in the fall, Chica Boutique. And you say, well, that's a shopping thing here at ZPC. But you, don't know, you may not know. The ladies come for a brunch in that morning, and they hear the gospel message. Every year we've had Chica Boutique, they hear the gospel message at that. What about inviting a friend to a one-to-one relationship or a small group or a Bible study? 
or out in the gathering space this morning, um, join a mission trip. Invite someone to go with you on a mission trip. It's a great place to, to meet Jesus for the first time and to have that voice to speak the good news. Even have that voice to speak the good news in another culture can be life-changing. Invite and include. Include a friend at Easter. You know, uh, you know even people that, uh, there's a lot of Americans that grew up going somewhere to church, even though our numbers of Christians or people going to church now are declining, it looks like. Those people probably grew up some connection to church. And for many of those, they left because there was a bad experience somewhere in church. Why not at Easter invite someone to come on Easter Sunday? It's one of our most uplifting uh, fun days of the year here at church. Invite someone to come to Easter. Invite someone to go to a Christian concert. Invite someone to hear um, a Christian speaker. There's a friend of mine here at ZPC. He invited me, and I invited a friend to go to a Christian concert earlier this year. And I know I, I went. I think he bought about 15 tickets to this Christian concert, and he invited a whole bunch of people to go to that. That's a way to share your faith, to invite and include. And finally, Include someone for dinner at your home. Get to know someone, build relationships, and to help invest in their lives. And let's start with children. Children are still molding and forming and choosing their faith, really their own faith. And in doing that, we need to support ministry to children and youth, uh, both at your homes and here at ZPC, there's some facts, and there's been lots and lots of research over the last 30 to 40 years. Get this. I think this is important stuff. 80 to 85% of Christians decide to follow Jesus Christ by age 18. That's been verified in many surveys. Two of the ones I found this week were through Fuller Theological Seminary and through Young Life. Um, we're finding even more recently, though, that that age is dipping down to about 13 or 14. And here's some Information I found through George Barna, a Christian researcher. He says this, the probability of someone embracing Jesus as his or her Savior is this, 32% between ages 5 and 12. So you think about that. That's a crucial time for our children to hear about Jesus. Only 4% probability for someone to ask Jesus into their lives between ages 13 and 18. And get this, when you get to age 19, all the way to the end of your life, the probability of someone embracing Jesus as Savior is only 6%. Here's what George Barna says about that. If people do not embrace Jesus Christ <clears throat> as their Savior before they reach their teenage years, the chance of their doing so at all is slim. Then he says this, By the age of 13, your spiritual identity is largely set in place. So there's no time to waste for our children. We need to act now. And if you are parents and grandparents, I know many of you are, you have the chance to pray for your children and your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren. If you're not parents, pray for the children of this church. They need to know Jesus. So pray for and disciple your children. Many times parents, especially as your kids get older, um, I've got one teenager getting ready to have another, and we think, man, our kids don't listen to us anymore. They think I'm stupid, okay? But guess what? Surveys of kids, even into the teenage years, they still say this. The number one influencer of kids is parents. And dads, we got some work to do because they say that mom is first. Moms rank ahead of dads as the number one influencer of our kids. Many of you have adult children. You can be still influence in your kids' lives. 
So you're a parent or a grandparent. You're saying, how do I do that? Well, that's tough. You know, I bring them to church. They hear about Jesus. How do I do that? Well, let's look all the way back into Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, a great passage. And it says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. That's a familiar words that Jesus quotes in the New Testament. Then God says this. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. He says, when you lie down, when you get up. What about praying with your kids uh, before they go to bed or praying for your kids or grandkids before they go to bed? What about when you get up in the morning? Uh, if you have school-aged children, saying a prayer before you send your kids off to school with them, or if they're, maybe they're not comfortable, you're not comfortable, praying for them every single morning before they go to school that they would know Jesus Christ. Um, be ready. Be prepared, as Peter said, to talk about those conversations. Uh, a family that kind of grew up here at ZPC told me several years ago when their kids were teenagers, they had their best talks with their kids between about 11 and midnight. I'm like, I'm asleep at most, of, most nights at that time. But they said they had to learn when they had teenagers to stay alert between about 11 and midnight. That's when their kids wanted to talk. And so they were prepared for that. They became prepared. Another thing, you, it says here, uh, God tells us, tie, tie these commands as symbols on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, <clears throat> write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. And I brought a couple of things I wanted to share with the children at the next hour, but I'll share with you as well. Um, this is something, and Chuck's here today. I told him I was going to say this. Chuck makes crosses. Chuck Voigt is sitting up here. And I have one of these on my desk, and we have one of these um, on a bookshelf in our house. Just a little reminder for our kids and for us um, that Jesus is Lord. It's a cross, and so it's there. And then I wanted to bring this today. Um, last night, I took this down off the wall. This is in our family room in our house, and it's a, it's a picture that says, um, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It talks about all the different names of Jesus, wonderful Prince of Peace, Lord of Christ, Lamb of God. And Claire and I found this many years ago, and so we bought a copy of it and had it framed. It's in our family room. So I took it off last night, and I put it in my car so I wouldn't forget it. And my kids, about an hour later, go, that picture is gone. I'm like, what picture? Like, that picture is right over there. It's gone. And I go, yeah, I took it down. I'm using it at church tomorrow. And I go, do you know what's on it? And they said, yeah. And I go, so what's on it? Um, Jesus. I go, what's it say about him? It says all the names of Jesus. I'm like, good, good, okay, you got it. So they actually missed it. They know it's there, and they said it. Now, I want to tell you, I'm not a perfect parent, and we make lots of mistakes, but one of the things we do is try to have reminders, symbols of Jesus and our faith around our house so that our kids see those things, and they know about it. And we try, to, we try our best, and we fail often to talk about our faith with our kids. So for parents and grandparents, pray hard for our kids, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, for the kids of this church. Invest time in them and be prepared, be ready to answer their questions when they come to us with questions. I'll say it again. This voice to speak the good news is a challenge to me, and I know that's a challenge to you. In preparing for this, I was convicted that I often fall short 
uh, and being as well prepared as I can and don't often, as I should, share my faith with others. I've had the opportunity to do that over the years here many times through programs and ministries at ZPC, but I'm convicted that I need to do it more. So that's a good reminder for me and for you. I need to be more bold than I am, and I need to be asking God to send people my way and be ready that I might share with them about Jesus. So in in conclusion, don't wait. Let's start today, and let's ask for God's help to help us in this right now. Let's pray. Most loving God, as we've read your word today through Romans, through Deuteronomy, and especially through 1 Peter. Help us to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that we have. God, help it to be in relationships where we can tell others about the good news that we know. Lord, as we heard uh, earlier, it can be like one beggar telling another beggar where to find food. Lord, help us to feel good about our faith and, and have hearts for Christ alone so that we can share with others. God, help me to do that. You know that I often fall short. And God, I know in preparing for today, I was convicted that in talking so much about how we come to Christ through things like the Romans Road and salvation through Christ, I was convicted to pray uh, for anyone who would be in this room right now who may not know you, Or God, sometimes um, there are people that they're not sure if they know you. They think they have a faith, but they're unsure. And so, God, we want to be sure. So, Lord, I want to take this opportunity not only to pray for us to be prepared to share with others, but if there's anyone here in this room who does not know you now, I want to pray this prayer. And, Lord, as I, I pray this out loud, I pray that anyone who feels led would pray this prayer silently in their heart and that you would hear them from their hearts. Lord, I realize today that I'm a sinner, that I fall short oftentimes on your plan. I'm imperfect and you're perfect. I make mistakes, sometimes unintentional, sometimes intentional. So, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I've realized through hearing your word today that I need Jesus And so right now, God, I ask Jesus to come into my life and into my heart as my Savior. And I ask Jesus to be the Lord and leader of my life. And I may not fully understand what all of that means, but I will ask for help to learn more about what that means, that you may be the Lord and the leader of my life. Thank you, Jesus. And so, God, we thank you for giving us your word. Help us to be challenged and be prepared to share uh, with others uh, when we are called upon to do so. Help us to have that voice to speak the good news. In Jesus' name, amen.